Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, Blue. You're A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Nicole, welcome to the cave. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? What's new with you? I am quarantining in Kansas City right now, so <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> how's how's that treating you there? Uh, it's good. I mean, I'm heading back to LA next week, but uh, it's it's different because the cases aren't as bad, and it, there's a, it's a little bit more open out here, uh, so I feel a little bit more freedom. But heading back to LA because I miss the weather. <laughs> there you go. Were you able to work at all while you were in Kansas City? Actually, I just uh, opened for Chris Porter last weekend at the Improv, so I got to do five shows, and it was his first setback, and it was a couple of the other comics that were there. We had a, a host and another opener, and none of us had performed in five months, so it was actually really, it was a lot of fun. Oh, how did that make you feel, getting back on stage? Oh my god, well, okay, all of our first show, the first show for all of us was like, what are we doing? Like, it's, we're like, this, getting back on this bike is a rusty situation. But uh, after, by the time we got to the second show, it was just fun from then on out. It was a blast. So uh, recently you released a stand-up special, Never Been Kissed, we'll talk about that. That's streaming on Apple TV, Amazon Prime. I want to mm-hmm. get to know a little bit more about you. Where are you originally from? I'm originally from Kansas City. Oh, so do you go back and forth a lot with Kansas City and uh, LA? Uh, I mean, I definitely live in Los Angeles, but I like to come back and visit about three, four times a year. Yeah. Okay. I've got a lot oh. of family. So oh, there you go. So growing up as a kid, what were you into? Uh, I was a bit of a nerd and a recluse, I would say. Um, like I had an ant farm. So that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was like That's probably the most, that was the most interesting thing about me at age nine. Uh, I definitely went through a phase where I was like a skater chick, except I didn't know how to skateboard. So I just wore a lot of Stussy and like no fear t-shirts. <laughs> that was, that was the craziest was a, thing about me. Wait, who, who was that singer that was like a skate girl back in the nineties? Oh, um, um, I can't like, think uh, of her date. Uh, not Alanis. What am I thinking? Um, not Alanis Morissette. You're, no, 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 no. It's the name. It's so close. She's Canadian, right? Yes. Uh, oh, Avril Lavigne. Yeah. Were you into her or something? Is that why? Uh, uh, no. Yeah. Thank you for thinking that that was the age group I was in because she came out when I was in college. I'm talking a little bit earlier than that. Um, I think it was just because a lot of my friends started doing it. I mean, you know, what do you, what do you, you know? Yeah, I'm, like, I get it. Follow them off a bridge. Yes, I would follow them off a bridge. I'm <laughs> 11 years old. Yes. So growing up, did you know that you wanted to get into the comedy world? Like, what was your dream? Um, I was always writing at a young age. However, I come from a long line of just funny men, to be specific. Like a lot of the women are um, big personalities, but I wouldn't necessarily say uh, funny. And so the men in my family would always compete to make my grandfather laugh. It kind of had like this hierarchy situation. And one time I said something when I was, I don't know, six or seven. And my grandpa laughed, uh, like doubled over, hysterically laughing. And I was like, oh, and that just like, that was it. That's all I needed. I was like, oh, if I can make him laugh, that's all I want to keep doing. It was like such a great response that like filled me up. And I was like, I just have to keep making people laugh. And then then that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. 
So how old were you when you kind of had an idea that, okay, stand-up comedy is the next thing? Uh, that was a little bit later in life because I moved to Los Angeles when I was 27. So I already felt a little bit behind the eight ball. Uh, and I started doing sketch comedy with the Groundlings and uh, a lot of writing, which was great. And then when that kind of ended, I had to find a different avenue. And so somebody said, well, hey, um, you know, what could help your writing is stand up. And I was like, yeah, I could, you know, while I'm writing these scripts, let's figure out what makes people laugh by also being able to perform. So I started doing stand-up. And from my first show, which was probably four or five years ago, uh, I was hooked. I loved it. It was a way to still perform and write at the same time uh, without having to put a wig on, even though I do love my wigs. Uh, <laughs> so it actually, uh, probably about five years ago. Now the ground leagues, and that's a big, pretty big place to perform. Like, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's a really long program. It takes, you know, it's pretty, it's a pressure cooker and it's really an intensive program. And so it took me six years to get to the Sunday company. And at the Sunday company is where you perform a different show every Sunday. It's set up very similar to um, the Saturday night live schedule. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you, you come in, you rehearse on a, a what you, you pitch stuff on Wednesday and then you're performing on a Sunday. It's crazy. Um, yeah. So, you had some big, big names have come out of there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I you'd have to have, honestly look them up because it's like Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Will Ferrell. Like, it's, it goes on and on and on. And, um, yeah, it was the greatest training ground I could have asked for. But it did take six years. And I was lucky because it takes people a lot longer now uh, to get to the main stage. And I had a blast. And then when it was over, I actually wrote a show called The Seven Guys You Date Before You Get Married. And I cast all of my favorite people from Sunday Company <laughs> and a lot of other really good actors. And we, I thought, oh, we're just going to do it for one weekend. It ended up running for 15 months straight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, wh while you were there, um, were you able to uh, perform with any of like the people that have graduated from there, like the famous people? Oh, yeah. Okay. So my big one is the, um, I was so nervous. So for every six month period, uh, a Sunday company member gets to perform with the main company in an improv show. And it's usually, they're the new person, the rest is the main company, and then they bring back one alumni. Now, it could be anybody. It could be somebody who's a teacher there. It could be somebody who hasn't worked in years. Mine was Kristen Wiig. Oh, and wow. <laughs> she walked in and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I... I was already, I was already so nervous because you want to impress these people because they're also voting on you. So, you know, it's, again, it's pressure cooker. And she comes in, she was so lovely. Um, she kind of made a beeline for me because she knew that I was the new person on, you know, in the lineup. And our first solo scene of that night, it was just her and I, because they always pair the new person with the alumni and they'd let them do just one solo scene by themselves. And that's a blank stage. And she goes, all right, what's the relationship? And somebody said neighbors. And that's all we got. And they go, all right, lights up. So the lights come up and there's this blank space in the middle of the stage. <laughs> and she's looking at it while she's smoking a fake cigarette. You know what I mean? She's smoking a cigarette and I'm looking yeah. at her, like I'm going to obviously let her have the first line out. Cause she clearly has an idea. And she just goes, well, that diaper's not going to change itself. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> and so we ended up, so I ended up dropping on my, dropping to my butt and scooting over. And let's just say at the end of it, she had changed my diaper while smoking a cigarette. And it was the funniest thing I have ever been a part of, hands down. She is just such a master pro. It's crazy. How many people were in the audience? Oh, it was a full house. So at least a hundred. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So for like the stand-up comedy world, who are like some of your influences? I grew I mean, I would say Joan Rivers as far as stand-up specifically, but I grew up mostly watching old reruns of I Love Lucy, Carol Burnett, and uh, I was obsessed with the Golden Girls because that's all my grandma watched. And I I loved it. I just love the, you know, Betty White's character was probably my favorite. And that kind of slapstick with like Lucille Ball and stuff, like there's nothing that comes close to that. So tell us about the first time that you, um, that you went on stage to perform for stand-up. Okay. So it was at a place called the federal bar in North Hollywood. And it was a, it's normally like a restaurant bar, but upstairs they have a stage and it can fit. I mean, I think it can fit like 150. It's pretty, you know, and it's tables and it's eating and all that stuff. And a friend of mine said, uh, why don't you go up? And I, he goes, you can probably get a lot of people here because at the bar, at the time I was a bartender and I was like, Oh, this is right next door to my bar. I could get all my bar regulars to come. So I talked to the guy and I was like, Hey, I've done Sunday company and I've been the groundlings for a few years. Is there any way I could get at least 10 minutes? And he goes, if you can get me 10 people, I'll give you 20. And I was like, 20 minutes for my first time up. Like that's most people get three, three to seven. You know what I mean? Like that's. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll use some stuff that, that was in my show. And I was like, okay. And so I did it. And everybody was like, a lot of people thought I was going to tank because um, that's a, that's a big ask for your first time. And I actually did fairly well. Now that said, I did use a lot of material that I know had worked in a previous play. So, um, but I had about seven or eight minutes of new material and I, I, I was hooked from the first laugh to the last, I was like, I don't want to be off this stage. This is what I want to do forever. That's awesome. Is there anything that you do before you go on stage? I pace which I didn't even really notice, but I paced back and forth and I kind of run the lines in my head of what, if I'm going to change anything or if I want to, you know, switch the order of stuff. Uh, But I think I forgot about it until this last show at the improv with Chris Porter. And he goes, do you need to like stretch or something? I was like, no, why? And he's like, you seem nervous. And I was like, oh no, this is, I've always done this. Like, since I was in high school plays, I just pace around and it helps me think. And that's, but it probably looks like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> so, you, so you mentioned you did good your first time. Have you ever gone on stage and bombed when you first started out? All right. So, uh, so remember how I said our first show last weekend went bad. It yeah. went so bad. Oh my God. Elias. It went, it, I can't, it was so bad. I, it was the one show that my entire family came to, by the way. And I was doing material that had killed in Los Angeles. And I mean, killed and crickets, not only crickets. When I got off the stage, I looked at my mom and I go, Hey, I don't know if it's me, like the acoustics in here, but it sounded like I bombed. And my mom looked me dead in the eye and goes, you have been a lot funnier. I don't know what happened up there. And I was like, Oh, Oh man. I, I totally, cause you can tell afterwards when people, yeah. 
you know, when they don't come to tell you congratulations. <laughs> when they're like, I mean, Chris, the thing is, Chris Porter still killed, so they definitely got their money's worth. Even him on a rough night is still great because he's been doing it for 22 years. Um, How many years you've been doing it, you said? Five. Stand up five, but I've been doing comedy 15. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen once in a while, even the best bomb out there. I mean, there was a point where I like, it's, you see the comic and they're holding for a laugh and then they don't get it. And they just kind of wait like, oh, should I even tell this next joke? Because it's even worse. Yeah. And, and that's pretty much what my entire set was. It just kept getting worse. <laughs> so have you ever said a joke on stage and then you regret it later? I don't really, I don't think I even do the kind of comedy where I say something that I would regret in terms of like, oh, this is, this is hurtful or anything like that. I mean, yeah. there's definitely people that get offended by stuff that I've said. Uh, I do have a joke that I really enjoy and it talks about, cause I never wanted kids for a really long time. Cut to, I have a one-year-old, but I never wanted kids. And so I would always tell a joke about the reason I didn't want kids was because um, they tell you what you can eat. You know, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't do drugs. I understand that. But when you start taking away sushi and Cabernet, the baby's going to end up with a bent head. Like <laughs> I said, <laughs> something like that. And there are rooms, especially in red states, that do not like that joke. <laughs> and I have to be careful. So. Yeah. so throughout the last five years, who do you think has been like your favorite act to open for? I would, I mean, first of all, there, Chris Porter and I have a history. I mean, I like Amir K. He's fantastic. But like, um, I would say Chris Porter, because we've known each other for 22 years. He did stand up at my gra high school graduation party. I mean, oh, this wow. is how like long we go back. <laughs> and his comedy is very much, I, I probably my favorite comic right now is Bill Burr. And he has a lot of similarities because he has like, this angry bravado, but at the same time, it's endearing. And I think that's a really tough line to walk on. And he does it really beautifully. I think Bill Byrne is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, did you see a Saturday Night Live? I did. And I actually watched it twice. Dude, loved it. Loved it. Say what you want to about me on Twitter. I don't care. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the last few years, you know, like, there's been some guests you're like, eh, it's not that great. I don't want to watch it. But this was actually a good guest that finally hosted SNL for a comedian. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was great. And I, the uproar is just ridiculous to me because I'm like, you clearly didn't get what he was saying. But. So you recorded your first stand-up special, Never Been Kissed, mm -hmm. streaming on Apple TV and Amazon Prime. Uh, tell us about that. Like, how, how did you plan that out? And what was the steps you took? Okay. You know, when they say you know, instead of waiting for a part to come to you, write yourself a role. That's pretty much how this all worked out because I had not been doing stand-up very long at this point. I think I'd been doing it three years and I was telling, um, I had, I had a writing group cause that's what I do for a living as I'm a writer. And so, uh, what somebody from my writer's group goes, Hey, there's this guy named Corey Craig who works at Warner brothers and he just directed a few comedy specials maybe you should meet up with him and maybe he can at least document or film some of your sets so that you have it. And I was like, Oh, that's a great idea. So I meet this guy, good looking, tall, talented guy on this, on the um, Warner brothers lot. And I, when we meet, we walk from the entrance to the cafeteria. And in that short time span, he probably said hi to, I don't know, 50 people. 
And they were people from the valet guys all the way to the Armani suit, big wigs. And they all knew who he was. And I was like, are you the mayor of Warner brothers? And he was like, no, no, no. I just, I've been working here since I was 17. I used to give tours and now I'm a producer. And I was just like, there's something about this guy. And we've since then become best friends. But I told him, I was like, look, I've got some stand-up, but it's a lot of dating stuff. And he's like, yeah, that, there's a lot of that out there. Girls complaining about dates, like we get it. I was like, yeah, so I don't know if I have a unique spin. He goes, well, let me come see your stuff and we'll see if we've got anything. And if you need me to record anything, I can help you out. Like, just so I would have it in the vault, right? Yeah. So he comes to a couple of my stand-up stuff and he's like, yeah, it's funny. He goes, you're really funny. He goes, but I don't know if it's enough that, you know, to make a special or anything. And I was like, right, of course. And I was like, well, don't worry about coming to my show tomorrow because I'm just telling this one dating story and it's another dating story. He goes, well, I've got a meeting. I'm going to come see it anyway. So I'm on stage in Glendale with like an audience of 20 people at a restaurant that should not be a club at all. And I'm telling the story about a date I went on with actor Michael Vartan, who was the lead actor in my favorite romantic comedy of all time called Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. And as I'm telling the story, Corey is feverishly texting on his phone. And I'm like, oh, I've already lost him. He's like already checked out. But the audience is into it, especially the women are like leaning forward. And because I guess it was their favorite movie and they knew who he was. And, and so I start telling this so, super embarrassing story. And I get off stage and Corey, I go, yeah, it was pretty bad, huh? And Corey goes, no, no, no. I've been texting you this whole time. This is what we're going to do. This is your special. You're, we're going to film your special. It's going to be called Never Been Kissed. You're going to tell this whole story, the whole version, not the 20 minute version, but the whole, the entire thing. And I was like, really? And he goes, did you not see them? And like, people were coming up to me afterwards while I'm talking to him. And they were like, have you talked to Michael since? Like, you have to explain what happened. You have to tell him. And he goes, this is going to be big. And my, and my favorite part was he goes, I don't even know who Michael Vartan is. And I, I'm hooked on this. I was like, great. <laughs> so then we just started putting it together and rehearsing it and uh, started getting me into clubs to where I could perform it. And since then, Corey's been my best friend. He's a fantastic director. Um, he's an even better producer. The way he is like a puppet master for controlling everything in such a beautiful way. And, and now we have this product and we worked together and we got it uh, in the hands of Comedy Dynamics who then got it to Amazon and Apple TV. And it's just been, it's been, look, a lot of this is really, has really been humbling because I'm not the comic that performs six times a week and I've been doing it for 20 years. So a lot of this has been really humbling and at the same time makes me want to reach for more. So I think- That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. When, you, when you first did this, before you started filming the special, how many times did you go out to perform this act before you filmed it oh man this is gonna be embarrassing um i would say the full act we did do a test tape too uh and that was i think we did two of those so it was as if we were filming the real thing uh i would probably say the full out version probably five times and then the short version that i'd been passing or that i'd been doing frequently you know 15 minute bits eight minute bits probably 10. Yeah. So, not a so lot. Took, would you say it took about a, like a year to put all this together? I would say hmm, probably less than that. Okay. Yeah. I would say, I would say six months. 
And that's, I mean, that's, that's not, and there's a lot of things I would do differently on the next special. And him and I've talked about that. The only reason we wanted to get this story out as soon as possible, and perhaps even a little less polished than what the pros do it. And like those people I'm in awe of, but the reason we wanted to get it out is because it was such a specific story. So where Mm. most comics are getting out an hour and a half material that they've been taking on the road for a year. Uh, this was one story. There aren't a lot of deviations. There's not a lot of changes. And it's just a story that he thought would be a great stepping stone for the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the special, did you have to get a hold of Michael to ask him if you were, if it was okay to use him? <laughs> so I, had a show one night and this is while we were prepping it and a group of guys came up to me afterwards and they're like we play hockey with Michael and I was like oh that's great and they're like we're texting him right now and telling him that you're talking trash and I go and they'd had a lot to drink and I was like wait when did I talk trash about him and they're like well you know when you said that you embarrassed yourself and that and that all you wanted to do is be loved by him and that all this like crazy stuff and I was like yeah, no, I don't say anything bad about Michael because he did nothing wrong. I'm the idiot. I'm the self-deprecating. You know, that's yeah. all my humor is, is self-deprecating. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll see. So I text Michael and I go, hey, I don't know if you heard. Talk to your buddies. He goes, oh, I've heard about it. And I go, so I'd like to send you, um, I've got it recorded from last night. I would love to send it to you just so you know that I don't trash you. And he watches it and immediately texts me, he goes, Hey, I watched that. You should be my publicist. You made me look so good. And I was like, Oh, thanks. He goes, do me a favor, make this into a Netflix comedy special. Uh, so we can, so we can retire or something like that. And yeah. I was like, I was like, LOL. And then two weeks later I text him. Cause I had that meeting with Corey, uh, our final meeting that was like, okay, we're going to go through with this. We've got a date set. And I said, Hey, remember when you jokingly said I should make it into a comedy special what if I did that? And he goes, you totally have my blessing. Like, I think that's great. And let me know how it goes. So awesome. he's been very supportive and he's seen the final footage and his managers have asked that we keep them in the loop with all the publicity that we're doing and stuff like that. So how did you pick the ice house comedy club to perform there? Actually, Corey, Corey has a really big connection there because he performs a show for, called cool beans comedy and he'll get, you know, Amir K, Alonzo Bodden. Like he gets some really, Drew Lynch has performed there a bunch. Uh, Tone Bell, who I adore. Um, he gets uh, a lot of pretty good acts, Jamie Kennedy. And so uh, he already kind of had a connection. And he was, so that's why we were able to do a practice round, uh, two practice rounds, and then an actual show there. You mentioned you're thinking about doing another one. How many more do you think you want to do? One every two years or so? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think uh, the next one is definitely going to be about how I became a mom and that unique situation. Uh, And there, which I honestly wasn't that interested to tell it at first. And then when I started doing bits on it, I realized that there was a lot of people that it related to. So uh, I, I'm getting more of a pull to do that. Yeah. So on your downtime, when you're not, working what do you do what do you enjoy doing well right now with the pandemic and having a walking one-year-old my extra time is a little limited however uh, I I'm just starting to get back into working out and 
running and exercising. And that's another reason why I want to go back to Los Angeles is because out here, the weather is either 30 degrees or 90 degrees. And, and sometimes it's both in the same day. So it's like, yeah. Oh, I just, I just want to be on the beach. That's all I want to do. Uh, so a little bit of that. And then mostly promoting this, which has been such a blessing. I think that that's the biggest gift is that I still get to stay active doing this and doing auditions and writing. How do you, uh, how do you prepare for auditions? How do I prepare? Yeah. Uh, hopefully I get off book. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I have the script in front of me these days, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it's, I think I've been doing it so long, the acting part of it that uh, it's mostly getting off lines and running it, running it, running it. And that way, when it comes time to actually perform it live or in front of, you know, a director or producer, that it, you can just be in the moment and you already, the words are, you know, ingrained on your brain. What do you like better, uh, self-tape or a uh, live? I do better in a room. I do with, and that's with anything. That's with, that's kind of like why promoting this has been interesting because we're doing all Zooms and podcasts and, 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 you know, even like when I've been on the news, it's Zoom. Uh, I do a lot better and I, I make better friends. Like if I was sitting with you in the same space right now, we would, there'd be a million other things we talk about once this is over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's good. yeah. So it's definitely different. Uh, that said, given the situation, it does make it to where I can do like three things in one day versus one interview in a day. So it's, you know, cause I can't, I don't have to fly to Chicago. I've got something in Chicago tomorrow, but I don't have to fly there. I can do Chicago, New York, and DC all in one day. So that's, it's a blessing and a curse. You know what I mean? Uh, where do you have fun? Where do you find time to write? Uh, when my daughter's asleep, actually, I've, I put her in daycare recently, uh, at least three days a week, just so I can get a lot of writing projects done. Yeah. I've got three that are unfinished and they need to be finished by November 3rd. So that's, that's kind of my priority right now with career. Do you keep a notebook right next to you all the time? I have a little notepad that I keep like in my purse. Cause that's the thing I'm at the age now I used to remember everything. And now I know if I don't immediately write it down, it's gone. So mm. I have to write it down. Yeah. Cause I know like I've had other comics that come on like, Oh yeah. They're like, sometimes I wake up at two 30 in the morning and I have to write it down. Cause I'll forget it by the time yeah. I wake up again. Yeah. When I was writing um, the, the special, I would be asleep and I have whiteboards in my office. I would be asleep and I would get up in the middle of the night and just go to the whiteboard and write it down. And there's just Makes something sense. it's like, okay, it's there. And then you see it the next morning you either love it or you hate it. So I mentioned earlier, I have some uh, five listener questions for you. You ready to answer those? Oh God. I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not that bad. They're not that okay. bad. Okay. Okay. Let's go for it. All right. So the first one is, do you have a favorite t-shirt? If, if you do, what's on it or what, what does it say? Uh, it's a Wonder Woman t-shirt that I got from Walmart four years ago. And it's super comfy and it fits great. And I think it was $5.99. There you go. Yeah. What's the last thing you took a picture of on your phone? Okay, let me pull it out. Hold on, let's see. I mean, what chances of it being my daughter, like pretty. That's how my phone is, so yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. So the last thing was I took pictures of the clothes that my, that I packed for my daughter that I'm sending her to her dad's with so that he knows what to pack to send back to me. 
God, that sounds so boring. Okay, the one before (laughs) that is her on a trampoline. Let's go with that. There you go. That's way more interesting. What's the most embarrassing or worst thing your parents ever caught you doing? Oh, gosh. I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure one time it had to have been, I was, I was visiting from college and I, I dated my high school sweetheart for the first couple of years of college and we had come back to visit and we were hooking up in the basement and my dad was definitely at the door. Like you could tell he was, cause I was, I had a room in the basement, but he was at, at the top of the steps, but you could tell he was pacing because he was like, he knew we were doing something. And so he was like trying to get our attention. I don't know. It was weird. And then it was really awkward when we got upstairs because my dad's face was red and I was like, oh no, he just heard us have sex. That's awful. <laughs> if you could have anything named after you, what would it be? Anything named after me? Oh, I want a body organ. That'd be great. If they were like, hey, we just found this new, this new body part. And they're like, what's that called? It's the birch. I'd take that. Yeah, why not? It's simple. It's simple, the birch. Simple, the funny yeah. bone, the birch, whatever. Cool. All right. The last question is, if you were out at dinner with no cash, what would you say to get out of the bill? Oh, my God, there's been an emergency. I need to go get my daughter and then I would leave. (laughs) Is it weird that that's like that's the fastest answer I gave you is like I know exactly how to get out of a bill. We use our kids a lot for excuses, don't we? Yeah, it's great. Do you know how many how many kids do you have? I have two. I have a five year old and a soon to be three year old. Oh, Oh, I can't wait till three. How is it? Yeah. Is it rough? It feels like I had a trick baby because my daughter is five and she was great. My son is like the total opposite. He's like all over the place and just he's a lot of work. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to like the threes. My kid is she's very happy and very sweet. However, she has the ability to hit a G7 high note that will shatter glass like we were at a volleyball game yesterday and I thought she'd be okay for it. And she let out a scream that was louder than any buzzer on that court. And the parents who all have children, by the way, looked at me and they were like, she should sing opera. That's the loudest baby I've ever heard. How do you deal with that? <laughs> I was like, "Ugh, I know. She's very loud. I was waiting for you to say that you got the look kind of like when you give other people the look at the restaurant because their kids are being loud or something like that. Yeah. And I think I definitely got the look by half the parents. And then this one woman offered to help me because I was literally as soon as she started, I was like, all right, we're leaving. That's it. And so I started packing everything up, but it's just me. So this woman did help. But over her shoulder, all the other people were like side eyeing me. And I'm like, you guys all have kids. What are you what's going right, on? Right. Like, You guys know what this is. Uh, Nicole, how can the listeners uh, find your special? Tell them one more time. Oh, you can find it on Amazon, Apple TV. You can even get it on YouTube, Comcast Dish, uh, or just go to NicoleComedy.com and there's a list of ways you can get it. Right. And how can they find you on social media? I'm at Nicole Comedy or Nicole Birch Comedy on Instagram and NicoleComedy.com. Hey, Nicole, this was fun. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. We appreciate it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time.